Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Across the UK, online and on DAB. <laughs> Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. Femba can go to hell. Topical talk, outspoken opinion and inspirational conversation on the Hour of Badass Power. Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators but no one compares. Minter, Campbell and Sexton are your all new Saturday night super squad. Badass Women's Hour on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. One, two, three, four! Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. And we're with you for the next hour talking all things news and views and of course doing our badass balls ups, our problem page section, answering your questions, giving you our best advice and hopefully helping you out and telling you about our backdated badass, a woman from history that you should absolutely know more about. But we're starting as ever with discussion of the news stories that have really been getting to us this week. The ones that you've been telling us are really moving you. You've been tweeting us about them. And of course, we couldn't start the show this week without talking about the horrific terrorist attack that happened in Manchester at the start of the week. And I, for one, was hugely shocked and overwhelmed almost by it. But the thing that really struck me was the immense kind of community spirit and coming together that happened after it. But one question we've been asking ourselves is, if you're not in that community, what is the appropriate response and the right thing to do if you're a little bit removed from it, particularly when it comes to social media? Now, this was kind of something you were talking about, wasn't it? Yeah, this was a a thing that was playing on my mind. Um, Looking at social media, both on Twitter and Facebook, lots of people that um, were not connected to to Manchester or the attack were sharing their condolences and saying sorry um, and contributing and in my mind my question was who are they so- saying sorry to is this almost going out into a vortex of of nothingness because it's not going to bring those lives back and what's the most appropriate response and I felt pressure to then contribute on my timeline more so to communicate with my friends and people in my networks that were were sharing this and I didn't really know what to do and I would say of all of the attacks that have happened and you know following Manchester there was also an attack in Jakarta this this is something that's happening regularly around the world this was the one that moved me the most sort of heart wounded point of being teary and I didn't know what to say or what to do but contributing on social media wasn't the right thing for me. So 
do you think, Emma, that we now there's now a pressure to talk about this stuff on social media to show that you have sympathy or feeling for it? Can we not just have that internally instead? Should we all be updating our Facebook profile pictures and tweeting our condolences? Yeah. So, like Natalie, I didn't actually post anything, and I I definitely like sat and thought about that for quite a while, and then I came to the conclusion that you know my kind of like self rule was like, what what am I contributing to this conversation? For me to like everyone knows it's happening, you know, you couldn't you could not miss that as a news story and then I was thinking have I got anything that can like really help have I and then I saw lots of lovely there was a lovely post that went around which was about you know look for the good and that story about seeking that you know there's more people have got goodness in the world and I found that really lovely the people that posted that because it broke up the news feed with something that just kind of really kept a really good perspective on things and I think I've kind of established a rule now where unless I have something like that that I can share that is going to add something I'm not just going to do just a blatant blatant post because I just felt really uncomfortable about it yeah I had lots of dilemmas around that so I had a similar thing where I I woke up and I saw the story and I sort of didn't know what to do and then I I did tweet something I just tweeted you know I'm so I'm so sorry this happened and I do look after yourselves and and I couldn't stop myself and then I was really worried that I'd got the wrong words or I'd said the wrong thing or that it wasn't enough or it wasn't good enough or that actually this was just quite selfish that I was doing it but I also I wanted to say it and I don't know if that's just about me or did it have did it help I don't know now who were you saying it to that's that's the thing that I want to know who did you feel like you were saying it to? so I think I wanted to say it to just anyone who at that time might follow me and might just have been flicking through their timeline and seeing it and just feeling a little bit I think when stuff like that happens you feel really small you feel really really small and really alone and just saying showing them that actually I feel that pain and I know I know where you are and I'm so sorry that that is a place that any of us have to be in I think it was just that Emma. I, I think when I look at your social posts Harriet you um you do lots of things that involve your audience so you do your five things on Instagram you do your tweets so for me to hear that from you was really appropriate because you often talk to your Twitter followers in that way but I think I don't use my social media in in that way I engage with friends but I don't necessarily have a an audience in the way that you do so I so, certainly felt you posting that I think just felt really right but I but I think the way I use my social it just it did that wouldn't fit for me to do something like that yeah and I think one of the things that I didn't do is I, I've never changed my profile picture so you know mm-hmm. sometimes um after the Paris attacks or um after the kind of bombing that happened in that gay nightclub you know people changed their profile pictures and I've never done that and I I actually think about it. I don't know why I've never done it, but it's never felt like the right thing for me. Um, I've always felt that I didn't need to do that, that I, I was there and I've got it. So it was interesting for me that on this occasion, I felt a little bit differently about it. But the one thing I did like on social media was kind of actually seeing that British spirit and understanding because we went from this kind of absolute compassionate outpouring to instantly taking it to kind of British humour and if you think this is going to think this is going to stop us you are very wrong and I was loving that you brought it up earlier the um the hashtag is it British British threat levels yeah tell us a little bit about it absolutely brilliant so this uh was a series of memes that that started maybe you know midweek and it was when the um, threat level was raised to critical. So the government said, look, we need to be vigilant. There'll be the army on the street. And Brits were like, well, 
that's not critical this is what british threat levels are all about and it, it was things ranging from when you go to your friend's house and they make you a cup of tea and they've only got skimmed milk through to um being at a table and being asked to go around the table and say who you are and all of these things that make brits absolutely cringe but it was hilarious and it was hilarious in a moment of complete darkness but it is it i almost felt like it was the british antidote of having a cup of tea after something really bad has happened it was us sort of trying to hug ourselves and and being compassionate based on who we are i loved it it was really it was some really funny really funny ideas if you haven't checked it out please really do now what for you is critical threat level threat level for me is role play <laughs> you, you ask, oh is it okay <laughs> right, get, role play uh, suddenly in a very different area <laughs> i mean get your minds out of the gutters ladies uh, i'm talking at, at work we've all been there you've been asked to role play a scenario that makes me combust from the inside out and I actually want to explode so I can disappear from the room it's the last thing you ever want to, to ask an introvert to do and you can see it on other people's faces they're like no <laughs> so that would be my hashtag British threat level role Emma what's yours well mine is going to a meeting without one of my special pens so basically I have these pens a certain brand <laughs> oh, like what I can't think unless I have these but I can't actually be creative or think if I don't have this pen so for me going to a meeting without this pen and just like a big ball like I will be in big trouble that is like critical threat <laughs> so for me actually what it is it's when you're really hungry and you go to a restaurant and they bring you a bread basket, but there's only enough bread for maybe like one less than the person at the table. So one person has to hold back. And I'm like, no, I want that bread and I want it now. But I don't want to be the mean one. <laughs> um, do, if you have a British critical threat level, do tweet us using the hashtag critical threat level or you can tweet us at badass women's app at Badass Women's Hour, BA. I'm not going to spell it. You know where I'm going. Um, <laughs> but tweet, tweet us and tell us what your critical threat level is. Um, okay, other stories this week. Emma, this is about cities and cities apparently being designed for men. Tell yes. us. We have Sexism and the City. That's the title of the article, which is uh, on vice.com. But basically, most cities were designed around men and their work. And I, I've never really thought about this, but absolutely they are. They were kind of designed that women were just staying at home uh, men were going to work and everything's been designed around that so and you know as a woman there's lots of parts of a city that I don't feel safe and some of that has been due to the way that it's been designed and this has happened for hundreds and hundreds of years can you give us some examples of things they found in the survey that women felt less safe with Yes, so it's things like waiting at a train station. So um, when women are waiting on, say, a train platform, 60% of them felt unsafe versus 25% of men. And waiting at a bus stop, like 49% of women feel unsafe and men, that's only 20%. But this was after dark. So what they're saying is, you know, something o'clock in the morning, this is the disparity that women feel unsafe on train platforms or multi-storey car parks was the one that was top of the list. And I, I, you know, as we were talking about this, I think what came to my mind was there are so many things that we interact with across the city, and actually they're they're they come out of the minds of a man. So they're not thinking about us, 
The one that really annoys me is pavements. So anyone that within a new, within a new town planning puts in small cobbled, cobbled pavements or the pavements with the small holes that yes. trap your heels. Yes. Like, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Because I have been walking thinking I was fly and then my heel gets stuck in the thing and then your foot comes out of the shoe and it's really embarrassing. I've pulled a whole drain cover off with a heel. I'm not even joking. It was humiliating. So I actually have a really good friend who works in Tamalang and she says one of the things that's really interesting is when you sit in meetings because it's not it's a very male dominated area so you'll sit in meetings and she might be the only woman in that meeting and they'll talk about the things that they need for an area to build it up what does it need so it needs better transport more planes trains and automobiles you know they might think maybe that it needs some cultural hubs they might think it needs some parks but they won't think about kind of the if we're being really stereotypical, the more female stuff. So that might be schools, it might be healthcare centres. Right now it might be like how they get on and off the pavements if you've got a buggy. There's nobody there actually putting that point of view across. And for me, I think that shows actually why you really need diversity, not just women, but also people with different physical abilities, people with different learning abilities in the room talking about what you need from an area when you're building it up. Yeah, I agree. What would we change about the areas that we live in right now if we wanted to make them more not even female friendly if you want to make gender neutral what would you change gosh gender neutral well I'll tell you one of the things that does annoy me and and reinforces the fact that men are thinking about the needs of men within cities there was a point where the men's urinals started popping up all over towns and it was because a man was like you know let's stop men peeing on the sides of buildings so let's give them urinals but women need to pee as well so where do we get to go oh no you don't care about us do you no okay fine that really annoys me. Um, and I think they've removed some of them because they absolutely stank. Yeah, they were just uh, uh, absolutely obscene, horrible, horrible machines. Men can hold it just like we have to. Um, <laughs> what would I change about my area? I think it's... Actually, I, I like Queen's Park. I think Queen's Park is a very nice place for young women to be. <laughs> <laughs> Emma, is there anything you want? Well, I live in Plasdale, so there's quite a lot of things changing <laughs> in Plasdale, apart from the house prices. Um, yeah, I think there's something that I'd love to see. I'd love to see, like, two lanes. The lane on pavements, two lanes. One for if you're just meandering or doing your Instagram post yeah. while you're walking. And then the other for people who really need to get somewhere. <laughs> so that would help me They've trialled this in cities. So I think a Scandinavian city and also possibly in Tokyo, they've got two lanes. Lanes for people that are on their social media and they even have the lights in the floor to say, stop because you might die if you keep walking right now because it's a road, stupid person. Uh, and then they've got the fast lane. I agree with having a fast lane. I hate when you're in London and there's someone just kind of chilling. Not not yeah. not paying attention to the fact that people have places to go. Yeah. Get out the but you way. See, I feel really stressed about this. So if you haven't been in um don't know if any of you have, but if you've ever been in Green Park Tube and you're changing from one line to another, there's a very long walk between the lines. Yes. And there's an unofficial, unwritten rule that if you're going slower you're on the right hand side yes. and if you're going faster on the left hand side. But I find that very stressful very stressful because I'm like am I not going fast enough if I'm on the left hand side but I want to overtake that person it's going a bit slower but am I holding up somebody behind me I don't need to bring that to the rest of our roads I just don't see right, not do, you, do no. you not look behind you so I do you, like you're driving a car you look behind you so you can overtake that's yes. the thing that makes me laugh I do I absolutely <laughs> yeah. do that I need a little I need my own review mirror <laughs> um, and then our final story for this week so have you seen a 10 pound note recently have you got one in front of you now <laughs> you got hundreds hey 
having a great day um, but have a look at it and have a look at Jane Austen on that note so you might remember a few months ago there was a big campaign to get a woman on a banknote and they finally agreed that we could have a woman that wasn't the queen on a banknote and it was Jane Austen cue huge celebrations very exciting this amazing author is going to be on there and then they put her on the note and they airbrush her Yep, she's actually been airbrushed. So the traditional portrait that you think of when you think of Jane Austen, which we've all seen growing up, has is the one that's been used. But if you look at it, you'll notice some subtle differences. So her nose is a little bit smaller, her eyes are a little bit bigger. They've basically taken the most famous female British author of all time, except maybe JK, and they have tried to turn her into a Kardashian. Now, what do you think about it? We can't even be ourselves, even in death. Even in death, we're not good enough for the men. We're not good enough. We need to look like a Kardashian. We have to be made to be pretty for society, even on a banknote. Even when we have written, we've had a brilliant mind and written wonderful books, we're still not good enough. But the men get to be on the note, all saggy and baggy, just like they were when they were alive. Don't, not happy, not happy about it at all. They even took out her under eye bags, like blatantly airbrushed out her under eye bags. Yeah. And I'm like, and anyone who's a writer will know that if you're a writer, you are writing late at night. You have bags. <laughs> They're well-earned yeah. eye bags. <laughs> um, the thing that I found really upsetting about this was it just wasn't enough for mm. her to be Jane Austen. Yep. You know, and, and also that nobody thought about that. Nobody thought, is it going to be a bit weird if we change what she looks like? You know, because she is a, you, you know what she looks like. You've, we've all seen that picture. Um, it was just absolutely standard. There is a picture of a woman it's going somewhere where lots of people are going to look at it. Let's make sure she looks as nice as she possibly can. It's like we've gone one step forward. It's like amazing. We finally, after all the campaigning, all the fuss that was around that, uh, to get a woman on the banknote, and then we have to change her. And it's like that banknote is so influential. Everybody will touch a £10 note. Kids will get £10 notes, and it infuriates me. Do you think Who maybe it was a conspiracy? They thought, OK, we'll let you have her on the note. But we're gonna change her we're gonna make face. Sure she's pretty. <laughs> yeah, maybe that was maybe. that was the, the patriarchy going going against you know having another woman. Yeah. So they decided to do that as a two fingers up I'm at us. The, so the patriarchy are good at Photoshop now. I'm gonna have a word with them. <laughs> Put them That'll to work. better Stop use, Emma. Get them on your design I was business. Say, I mean, <laughs> I've got better things they could be doing than <laughs> Jane Austen. <laughs> Also, quite frankly, anyone's been to a beauty salon recently, you can't get much for a tenner. So, um, we're coming to the end of this section now. As you might remember, usually we have a guest on in section two, but this week, sad to say, our guest, they've stood us up. We've been, oh we've been ditched at the last we've been minute. Ghosted. Oh my God, we've been ghosted. We've been ghosted. Oh. We were supposed to have Instagram star, author very fit person clean eating Alice with us this week talking about all things food and fitness but unfortunately she well just didn't turn up she had to cancel on us at the very last minute in fact 20 minutes after she was supposed to be here um, because she had somewhere else to be and I know we all have really busy diaries but Sisters don't let sisters down. That's all I'm saying. Uh, but in our next section, we will be looking at our badass balls ups of the week. So your problems that we try and solve. And of course, you can hear more about our backdated badass. That's a woman from history that you absolutely need to know about. Coming up next. Next. 
across the UK, online and on DAB. <laughs> Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. On Talk Radio, she'll get you talking. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts Emma Sexton and Natalie Gamble. And this is the part of the show where we usually have a guest, but we don't this week. Scheduling conflicts, what can I say? Um, So instead, we are going to be sharing with you some of our favourite moments from one of our favourite guests earlier on in the series. And that is the amazing radio presenter, Gemma Carney. I've been a broadcaster for nearly 10 years and I've met so many different people. I've worked with a lot of young people. I feel it's really important for us to constantly explore what it, what it means to, to grow up, to live and to evolve. And uh, it was just inside of me. Like, I'm quite frantic and I had little notes and lots of ideas. And I, I went to visit women in schools, young women, like the women of our future, uh, and made a short film called Wow Now, which you can find on Google. It's only seven minutes and I just spoke to women all over the country uh, or young women and I and I felt like we needed to have a conversation and it's not just for girls like the reason the book is yellow is that it's genderless and uh, you know I feel like we're progressing in the feminist discussion and we might not be using that word so much and we're just kind of thinking about humanity and equality so it's kind of for everyone but you do get to label a vulva in there but that, that shouldn't be exclusively for girls <laughs> yeah. you know I, but I just felt like we needed to to tell young women especially that that we care about them mm. and that we know it's difficult and that, you know, it's hard growing up because I felt like the conversation wasn't happening and it, it swears quite a lot about perfect and this idea of perfectionism in the book, you know, as mentioned. Because what is perfect? Mm. I think it would be very useful for boys and girls to be able to label and colour a vulva. We should all be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know many men who would definitely miss that lesson. Well, I realised that I couldn't, I didn't know the names of everything. So I was like, wow <laughs> but I probably could label a boys yeah yeah that's true that's, that's very true. true true and when you were kind of talking to young people about this and they were telling you what they were feeling in their experience was there anything that you felt you were kind of shocked by or you didn't expect to hear firstly the fact that I don't feel like they were being talked to very much by adults which I found quite mad I, I feel like there's a huge academic pressure I, I think that's got worse I think that's different to when I was at school when I was at school I didn't I didn't really focus on schoolwork. I was, it was all about boys and like getting into nightclubs if I could. Uh, but I think that's totally changed. And I think it's all about grades and it's like your whole life will be a failure. So there's a miscommunication, you know, when it comes to sex ed, for example, when it comes to talking about mental health, when it comes to being safe online. Adults are just kind of giving up and shrugging their shoulders going, oh, do you know what? I don't really understand you guys. What's one of the most magical things that's happened in your life? Oh, so many things, which uh, which I'm really proud of, to be honest. I, I feel happy to have had struggles, but to know how to be happy. Mm. Uh, and uh, for me, it's travel. And, and again, when I was writing about it, I realised that, you know, we're talking about intersectionality a lot. We're talking about uh, women and different experiences. And I realised that, like, explorers, for example, are often uh, kind of seen as uh, a white man that went to Eton. You know, think of Bear Grylls. <laughs> like, think of, like, David Attenborough. All these incredible people, I like them all. But I suddenly realised, like, as a representation, like, where is, like, the young woman that goes out there and seeks other cultures and uh, gets on a, on a long-haul flight on her own? And, and I realised that that's been a big gift that I've given to myself. And it's not necessarily extravagant. You can go camping with your mates around the corner and turn your phone off. So I think one of the magic things in life is to explore what's around you. 
Yeah. Oh, I love that idea. Ladies, what, what for you, if you were to kind of give our listeners one thing that they could go away and kind of help them learn how to be happy and learn that skill, what would you suggest? I think release yourself from the pressure. You know, literally, if you need to, physically shake it off because there is no perfect. We all make mistakes. We make mistakes every single day. In fact, someone um, uh, that I was talking to last week who's in her 50s said to me that you spend your whole 30s and 40s trying to be a better person. And then she feels so brilliant now because she's in her 50s and she's like, I at least know that I will continue to make mistakes, but I think what mistakes will I make? So just like take the pressure. You're not doing that bad. You're probably doing amazingly. Most people in this world are really kind uh, and are full of empathy. So just enjoy it. So that was Gemma Carney, who we love. Um, And coming up next in our show, we are going to be doing our badass balls up. So your problems that we try and solve. Stay tuned for that. Across the UK, online and on DAB. (laughs) Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. On Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm here with my co-hosts Emma Sexton and Natalie Campbell. And we are going into our badass balls up sections, the section of the show where we try and solve your problems. And of course, if you have a problem that you want us to solve, you should tweet us at Badass Women's Hour, HR at Badass Women's Hour, or find us on Instagram or Facebook. Come tell us and we will try and help you. Um, So this week we have our first problem and it's due to the beautiful sunshine. Who ever thought that could be an issue? Nat, tell us. So uh, the weather has been wonderful. And I was at Shoreditch House yesterday, which was absolutely heaving, lots of people naked everywhere. Uh, and my mate Em was there. Em is absolutely gorgeous. And we were having a conversation about what is appropriate hot weather uh, clothing when you're going to work in an office. Because there were lots of people that were obviously, you know, they're on their lunch break. I was like, mm, I'm not sure I would wear that to work. I'm not sure I would wear that, that to work. It's all a little bit revealing. There was, you know, lots of 
bum cheek and, and stuff. And it was like, what is appropriate in this weather? So I remember when I first started working in London, I was working with this guy and he came in one day in sort of kind of early May and it was beautiful sunshine. And he was joking with one of the other guys in the office and he said, oh, I've just been playing a great game of, uh, I don't know if I can say this word, a great game of tit tennis. And I asked him what that was and he said, it's apparently when summer starts and women start taking off kind of the layers and boys start counting how many breasts they can see on the tube, basically. And I remember thinking at the time, oh, I don't ever want to be, I don't want to be part of that. Thank you very much. I'm, and as somebody who has been blessed with significantly more than a handful, um, you know, it's, it's quite hard for me sometimes to have clothing that feels in any way appropriate, but particularly in summer. So I'm always really aware of it. And I probably cover up more than I think is actually even necessary. Emma, what do you think? Well, I'm just thinking about this and I'm thinking about the appropriation. We've always been told to cover up as women because we're, we're always portrayed in a more sexual way and I'm sure that a lot of it is driven around not distracting the men. Natalie, your friend Emma is a total goddess, like inside and out. If she was in hot pants in the office, even I would be distracted by that, but in an amazing way. But I, I, I'm as I get older, I'm less concerned about that now. Like I'm wearing a sum dress today, and I'm pretty certain that it's a bit see-through. <laughs> like, not, but I, I actually find it quite funny because I can see guys looking or like look, and I, I always play on that because I'm like, I think it's funny that you're distracted by what I'm wearing because you can't like, but you know, can't control the gender from this. So I, there were guys there in very short shorts and quite tight and I had to cover my eyes a few times and then but they will go they were this wasn't just I'm then getting in the pool short shorts this was I'm dressed like this well, and they going mankinis. back to work They're just, <laughs> short, just very short tiny shorts and I just thought if and we were having a conversation about um, men in flip-flops and I just thought actually yeah when I see men's toes on the tube or in a work environment I'm like oh oh that's a bit more than I uh, usually see I think it is about the word appropriate right so what's appropriate and it's not necessarily whether that's a kind of sexual thing or not it's actually like what's going on around you what is everyone else doing because I do think you should be able to rock up to work in whatever you feel comfortable in but there is also an element of knowing that actually if you want other people to get on with you you need to make them feel comfortable too and so if other people are feeling really discomforted by what you're wearing, should we not maybe hold back a little bit? Okay. I think more nakedness. <laughs> I think you're uncomfortable by my, by my nakedness. Like, Okay, I have one. So a guy, if you're in the office with a guy and he's wearing a vest top and he's got really long armpit hair, does that not freak you out? No. No, but we've already established that you're weird about other people's bodies now. So. <laughs> I'm all for it. Let's close. Everyone's wearing the best. But one. even if you've got some girl coming in, or some guy coming in, either way, in super tiny hot pants, and they're out going out to meet a client, would you be happy with that? Uh, oh. See? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, don't lie now. Come on. What's in your mind? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, like, I'm torn because there's half of me going, you should just wear what you want and it's other people's issues and society's issues. And then the other half is like, well, actually, yeah, a client probably wouldn't do any business with me if one of my staff turned up in tiny hot pants. Well, yeah. maybe they would. I don't know. <laughs> maybe they, do maybe they would. Who <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, knows? But I think the point is, it's actually about, can we make other people around us semi-comfortable, but without think- putting them first above what we really want is that is that the line we take that 
<laughs> I know you love a really well dressed person. I know but... I do, but so I'm going to add another element, and I'm I'm really sorry, and I'm I'm going to do I'm going to steal the, another show's thing. I'm a bad I'm a guilty bad feminist because I judged a woman because she had a full bush hanging out of her um, swimsuit while she was sunbathing and I judged her in the moment that I saw it she was putting the umbrella up and in the moment that I saw all of this hair on her legs I was like do you not know that you were coming out here to sunbathe in your swimsuit? <laughs> I and I judged love her. her. I love her I as know, well. I judged her. I'm sorry. I did. I judged her. And that, as you were talking, that popped into my brain. And I, so a lot was going on in my brain yesterday, just thinking about what's appropriate and what's not I've appropriate. I've just been inspired by a whole new summer look. <laughs> <laughs> what are you wearing this season? Wow. <laughs> a really big bush. <laughs> So the problem I've got this week comes from Stephanie. She sent it through to our Facebook page and she's saying she's just a little bit unexcited by life at the moment. So she says she's got a really nice job that she quite likes and a really nice boyfriend that she quite likes and some nice friends. And it's all very nice, but it's not very exciting. And it's beginning to make her wonder, is this all there is? Emma, what do you think? Well, I think it sounds a bit like a passive mindset. Um, you know, where you're just going, okay, well, this is my situation, this is the scenario, and it's not how I want it, therefore I'm unhappy with it. When, you know, you can't change those things, but you can change yourself. And I think, for me, I've always had a mindset around life being an adventure, and you can create stuff. And now, more than anything, you have access to the most incredible technology, the internet people knowledge everything there is nothing stopping you really shaking that up so i'm kind of a like yeah she's there's lots of opportunities to shake things up and have an amazing life and i do think that's a really great point which is sometimes when we feel like nothing's that exciting it's because we're just being too passive we need to do something we need to create an adventure nat do you believe in that and that idea of just shaking it up and doing something different i do completely but i think the thing that I hear the most when people say this or ask this question is they don't know what adventure looks like so they they you know they've lived in a bubble of sort of going from one thing to the next and if you say to them you know if you could do anything what would you do that there's a blank sort of stare they don't know what would make them feel amazing they don't know what would push them to the edge so that's the first thing I would say think about what adventure means to you beyond an immediate high and I think we all know what people do when they want that immediate high. So it's thinking beyond that, beyond artificial substances, what would give you that feeling? Um, I also, I think it, we have one life, we've, you know, we've said this before, and why not take a risk? Why not do something different, something that makes you sort of have that gasp of air and think, okay, right, that wasn't in the plan? Because that's when you remember you're alive and that's when you can, can compare what you think is possibly quite and quite boring to, you know, something else. Yeah, yeah the, the, the other uh, aspect I'm looking at is she says she's got some nice friends, she's got a nice job. Sometimes nice can be phenomenal. Like, there's a lot of people who would just like to have that. So is there also something about just readdressing, mm. you know, nice? I think, we're, you know, social media has been so bad for that, about not looking around and really appreciating those lovely moments and perhaps taking a moment to do that. She might find that actually her life is pretty incredible it's just that she's not been in the mindset to notice all those bits i think that's so true it's about a kind of level of appreciation and gratitude for what you've got right now even when that's not that great even when you think it could be better actually just take the moment to be really really grateful for it because you just never know 
when it's going to go. Um, and then our f- third and final question this week. Emma, what have you got? So this came out of uh, an event that I hosted this week. So I have a side business called Flock, which is a network for entrepreneurs. And we had an event around HR and leadership skills. And one of the questions from the attendees, uh, a lady called Mariana, she was trying to sort of understand a lot about her gut instinct. So this HR and leadership um, expert, Liz Beck from Aspiring HR, was talking about getting yourself and your leadership style aligned to your purpose and your values. And then so that you gut instinct tells you when you're not aligned to your purpose and values and I certainly feel like I'm there in my life but the question from Mariana was but how do I how do I let my gut instincts not stop me from exploring and doing things and out of that discussion there was a bit of a I think you know everyone talks about gut instinct but Mm. I think you have to be really tuned to that because sometimes that feeling you have in your gut is fear (laughs) and you you know so I just wanted to know what you two thought about gut instinct do you use your gut instinct so I absolutely do I'm not you'd be surprised to know not really a planner so I really rely on my instinct and what I feel in that moment and I'm really very instinctual about people and what I feel about them sometimes I'm wrong but basically not that often um but one of the things that I've done for the last couple of years is I did an amazing piece of coaching with a woman called Nikki Armitage which is about meeting your kind of best self or what she calls your electric woman and this is you living at your full potential and really embracing all the talents and skills that you have and using them to the best of your ability and when you kind of tap into that, what I then do is go, okay, well, actually, if I was living to my full potential, using all the talents and skills I know that I have, what does me as that person feel like about this decision? And then I know, I instantly know, is it a good decision or is it a bad one? And then I trust that because that's the other thing with gut instinct. So we make a decision based on our gut instinct and then we question it. And actually, it's right. Go with it. Do it. Nat, do you agree? So agree. Uh, I think we should spend more time listening to our gut and understanding basically our physical reactions to things and what we think it might be telling us because our body knows everything. Our body never really lies. Um, So it can tell you when you're actually overworked and tired and stressed and it will manifest in a certain way. But equally, if if you have a decision to make, sometimes you you can feel it in your gut. So I'm a big fan. Emma? Yeah, I've only learned to know my gut from feeling that feeling, but proceeding anyway, and then under being able to retrospectively look back and go, okay, mm. now I know why. So it's, I think it's a bit of a journey to get really in tune with your gut instinct was kind of my advice to Mariana to, you know, you can't stay locked down and, and not push against your fears for the fear that you're, oh, it's my gut instinct. I'm not aligned to my values. You've almost got to keep making those mistakes and learning to then really be attuned to it so and also forgive yourself that's the other thing if you make if you make a mistake if you get it wrong that's okay yeah and nothing truly terrible is going to happen from that you'll just learn from it and you'll move on um so that is why you should always go with your gut instinct i think it's the best way but if you have a problem or something you just want to ask us about as long as it's nice not too personal i mean quite personal but not too personal (laughs) um you should tweet us at badass women's hour hr at badass women's hour or find us on facebook or instagram all the socials um and come ask us because we really want to help you too and try and make your lives even better maybe as good in fact as our backdated badass from this week who has lived an exciting and really pioneering life so we'll be hearing more about her in the next section 
across the UK, online and on DAB. <laughs> Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. On Talk Radio, she'll get you talking. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts Emma Sexton and Natalie Campbell. And we are at the part of our show where we talk about a backdated badass, a woman from history that you should absolutely know about. And this week's backdated badass comes to us from Sinead McIntyre, editor of Fabulous Magazine. Hi Sinead. Hello. Hello. So who are you telling us about this week? Uh, well, I'm telling you about Flora Sand, who is a definite badass uh, from the 19th century. Fantastic. And why is she such a badass? Uh, well, she was born in 1870 and she was a completely different woman for her time. She was desperate to be a soldier and she became the first wo- woman to fight in World War One and World War Two. And she was 65 when she fought in World War Two. Wow. And, and she, she grew up. Where did sorry. she grow up? Sorry. Well, she was born in Yorkshire and she was the youngest of eight children, the daughter to a rector. Um, they moved to Suffolk and she was born at a time when women were expected to be very sedate and play tennis and get married. And she just did not want to do that. She wanted to uh, she wanted to gallop. She wanted she just. She wanted to wear boys' clothes. She wanted to sort of be with the men. And she just really wanted to fight. And she wanted to go out and be a soldier. And eventually, that's exactly what she did. So I was reading about her, and it says she was actually first formally enrolled in the Serbian army, despite coming from Yorkshire. Yeah, so the Serbian army was the only army that actually accepted women um, at that point in time. Um, she wanted to be, she tried to be a nurse but she was um, rejected because she didn't have enough qualification. So she joined the Red Cross and she went to Serbia to help out there. And she eventually got herself enrolled in the army because she knew that that was where she would be able to do that because it was the only place in the world that accepted women. And she started off as, I mean, eventually she became um, a corporal and then a sergeant major. And um, what was she doing in the army? What was her role? Well, she was she was obviously as a corporal, then a sergeant major. She she was in charge of her men. She engaged in hand to hand fighting, um, and she was actually wounded by a grenade. Eventually, she she risked her life and was rescued by a lieutenant who um, saved her. And she had really really bad injuries, but as soon as she recovered, she went straight back into fighting again. This was in World War One. Um, she was awarded a, a medal and she made headlines all around the world at that time. Incredible. Now, so reading, mm. reading through her, her profile, I was just absolutely sort of amazed and, and mesmerised that a woman you know, had such, I guess, um, courage to say, this is something that I want to do and I will keep going. Even if I cannot serve in this country, I will go where I, where I, where I can serve. But I, my question is, how did you come across her? How did you find her? Um, I just, in the course of just what I do as um, a journalist, a lot of what we do on Fabulous is we look at, you know, powerful women, influential women. And she's just someone that I've read about in the past. And I thought, wow, um, I think because obviously feminism is quite a lot of what we do mm. to see someone who was 
doing something like that in the 1870s is just really, really incredible. And it's always stuck with me that, I mean, I think her own biographer said that even today she would be really exceptional because there are just not many women who would do what she did yeah. um, in many ways. I mean, she traveled the world by herself anyway um, from when she was really young, um, just went off by herself to like various different far-flung com- countries. You know, she was she went camping in British Columbia and worked her way around America. She once shot somebody in self-defense. I mean, what? she's a pretty incredible woman. Basically, she took no crap. <laughs> she took no crap at all. And in fact, I think even when she left, um, when she was demobilized from um, the army the first time, she found it really, really difficult. Um, but I know she ended up, she got into trouble again because she ended up somewhere. She, oh, she got she got in prison. Yeah, she ended up in Zimbabwe, and um, they didn't like her because she like loved to drink with the black peasant population. Okay, so I love Amazing. her even more now. <laughs> <laughs> so she just sounds like somebody who absolutely did not want to be confined by any of the rules and conventions of her society. Exactly. No, exactly, or any society. Fantastic. She is a true badass. Thank you so much for sharing her with us today, Sinead. No problem. I hope we all feel inspired to go out and do whatever we want to do. <laughs> definitely. We definitely do. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Sinead. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. That was our backdated badass for this week. Flora Sands, a woman who is absolutely not going to be told what to do, even in the army. Um, So we're coming towards the end of our show. But as ever, we always like to leave you with a little something to think about this week. Our badass principle, something for you to live your life by in the next seven days. And Nat, what have you got for us this week? I'm going to keep it simple this week and say our badass principle is be happy. It's all we can do right now. It's just a simple <laughs> takeaway. Your face. I am and so, our producer I was is, like, so making me laugh. Is this where we're going? Be happy? Is this Be happy. I'm keeping it simple. And Emma, do you think is that too simple? I think I think it's keeping our producer happy because every week he's wanted us to do Could you do be happy? But I like it. I mean, yeah, I think we have a lot to be grateful for, especially this week. And I think it is definitely about, you know, taking those moments to yeah, to appreciate what you've got and yeah, I'm with it. Okay, I'm going to put my cynical hat aside and say this week is be happy. And if you have found some stuff this week that has made you really happy and you want to tell us about it or share it with us, you absolutely should. Please, please find us on Twitter at Badass Women's Hour, HR at Badass Women's Hour, or on Instagram or on Facebook. And show us what's making you happy this week. And we'll share some of ours as well. So that's all for us this week. But we will be back next week on Talk Radio with more Badass Women's Hour. But in the meantime, if you want to chat to any of us individually, you can find Find me at Harriet Minter, Nat at Nat D. Campbell or Emma at Emma Sexton. And we'll be here again next week. Across the UK, online and on DAB. (laughs) Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quinn's is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 